I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham, and this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. We hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today, wherever you get podcasts. This episode of LiveWire is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, and then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Hey, it's Luke Burbank. Welcome to another episode of Livewire Radio. As always, I am backstage right now at Revolution Hall in Portland, Oregon, getting ready to do the show, which is going to be a really fun one. We have Cheryl Strayed swinging by. She, of course, the author of Wild, the tremendously successful book that's now been turned into the movie, which was nominated for the Oscars. She's a sweetheart, though. She's not too uh, too famous to come by old Livewire Radio, so we'll be talking to her. Also, Jen Nelson will phone in. She's a filmmaker who just did a documentary about the fact that the Happy Birthday to You song, that that's been under copyright for the last 95 years. And um, somebody was getting paid millions of dollars a year for people singing that song. Well, not anymore, thanks to Jen Nelson. Plus, we've got poetry from Anis Mojgani and something that's never happened on public radio before. We will have a show stenographer. Stay with us. It gets started right now. From PRI Public Radio International, it's... Thank you very much, announcer Jason Rouse. Thank you to everybody here at Revolution Hall in Portland. We got a great show coming up for you. Our theme this hour is On the Record. Those things that we say and do in our lives that become part of the permanent record of our lives, whether we want them to be there or not. And we have a bunch of really great guests, including Cheryl Strayed, author of Wild, which apparently some of you have heard of. Cheryl has a new book out, and it's uh, a collection of, I think, pretty amazing, insightful quotes that have been featured in some of her other work. And a lot of them are about relationships and how to navigate the world of relationships, or at least try to navigate the world of relationships, because I don't know if you guys know this, but relationships are very hard. <laughs> They're very hard because, on the one hand, we need them. Like, we have to have human companionship and closeness. We've actually... We've evolved that as part of, 
of our biology as humans, is the need for other humans. The issue, though, is that back when we were evolving those needs, I don't think we were having the same kind of complicated conversations we have now. <laughs> like, I do not think hundreds of thousands of years ago, if you went in a cave and there was like an early hominid man and early hominid woman, I don't think like the woman ever said, move rocks, my parents coming over later. <laughs> and then the male early hominid said, yes, I move rocks. And then the female early hominid said, why you say, yes, I move rocks that way. <laughs> that kind of subtext did not exist when we were deciding we needed to be with each other. So here we are in the modern day. We need each other, but things are very complicated. Um, I'm married, and I think anybody who's ever been in any kind of relationship can relate. Maybe the most frustrating recurring argument in any kind of relationship is the argument about something that was or was not said literally 15 seconds ago. <laughs> Everybody has been in this experience where the other person says something, and then you respond to it, and then they have no memory of having said the first thing at all. And you realize, oh, I'm dating the guy from Memento. Maybe you can start tattooing everything you're going to say somewhere on your body so we don't have to have this conversation. You wish that you had one of those stenographers all the time in your life, just dutifully keeping track of everything that's said so there's no confusion. Would you believe that we actually have a stenographer here for this show? Please welcome Victoria Guerrero, Livewire's court reporter. I want to explain for the radio audience at home, Victoria, you are not an actor. You're not part of our troupe. You are actually a court reporter with 26 years of experience here in Portland. That's correct. Um, can you read back part of that monologue to me? Just the good part. Okay. Anybody who's ever been in any kind of relationship that can relate to maybe the most frustrating recurring argument in any kind of relationship is the argument about something that was said or not said literally 15 seconds ago. Can you explain this machine that you are currently typing into? I, I mean, I'm not asking that sarcastically. I mean, it, if I understand it right, it does not type uh, letters. It types, what, phonetic things? What are you using to transcribe all this? It actually does type letters. Okay, I have a lot to learn about... Um, being a sonographer? Can you strike that from the record, that question? No problem. Um, how, long have you been, uh, how long have you been doing this? You said 26 years? I went to school in 1986 and started working in 1989. And what kind of stuff do you usually find yourself... Um, what's the verb? Stenographing? It's, it's writing. Okay. You know, if you want to just host the show, Victoria, you can. <laughs> I'll happily turn over the reins because you're clearly better at this than I am. So every time I start talking, you start typing. So are I you... I get paid by the word. <laughs> Did you just type that they're laughing into the thing? Are I, you I typing could. every word that I'm saying? Yes. What about this? What about now? What about now? Can you read that back, please? What about this? 
What about now? What about now? <laughs> All right, she's really doing it. So this is the plan. Tonight, we are going to have Victoria here keeping track of every single word that is said on the show because this show is on the record, you guys. So this, I think, is going to be really educational. The question is, will we all up here on stage act differently or think about the show differently because it is actually being typed down word for word? My guess is no, because we had a lot of beer in the green room. But we're going to find out, you guys. <laughs> all right. Let's get our first guest on the line here. Now, most people would have never known this, but the Happy Birthday to You song that we've all sung a million times, it's been under copyright for the last 95 or so years. The song has generated millions and millions of dollars for its copyright holders, but that is about to come to an end, it would appear anyway, because a court recently found this copyright to be invalid. This is all thanks to a suit by filmmaker Jen Nelson against the Warner Music Group, Jen Nelson now joins us by phone. Hi, Jen. Welcome to LiveWire. Hi. Thanks so much. <laughs> um, yeah, give a round of applause. <laughs> now, is this the kind That's of thing? So nice. that, is this the kind of thing that happened to you when you were um, part of this case? Is that you had a stenographer writing down every word? Um, no, I have not. I have not had a stenographer following me around. That is for sure. So I'll be careful about what I say. <laughs> what um, What brought this to your attention? How did you find out that the Happy Birthday song was copywritten? Um, well, I work in the film business, so I was aware that the song was under copyright and that you had to pay a license to be able to use the song. So I was aware of that. Um, and then what, uh, what triggered this whole lawsuit was the discovery of Professor Braunice's, um, he's a, he's a copyright, uh, professor at George Washington University, and he wrote a legal journal challenging Warner Chapel's copyright claim to the song. And that, to me, was, um, very interesting because it always seemed wrong that the Happy Birthday song was under copyright and that you had to pay for it. So when I discovered this article written by Professor Braunice, I just think, like, wow, they might not even own the song. And that was shocking to me. And, um, you know, the fact that they were making almost $2 million a year on the song and they might not even own it. Who's Warner Chapel? And also, where did the song originate? Warner Chapel bought a publishing group, Birch Tree, in 1988, and they acquired the song from that publishing company. But the original song um, was called uh, Good Morning to You, you know, good morning to all, good morning to all, good morning, dear children, good morning to all. So it's the same melodies that we know. Who had the presence of mind to copyright this and think, we're going to make $2 million a year off of this song? The short story was in 1935, the publisher went to copyright two uh, registrations. And um, that's what we that became central to our argument was that these registrations didn't extend to the song itself, but just the piano arrangement. But the publisher sort of extended the, uh, where the copyright went. Who was paying for singing the Happy Birthday song? It's not even very good. <laughs> well, TV and radio came about, and it was, the song was commercially viable, and any producers or filmmakers wanted, you know, that wanted to use it had to pay for it, the license. So if there was going to be a scene in a movie or TV show where they sing that song, somebody was going to have to pay. 
Absolutely. Is that why when you go to like a TJ Ochachki's, they sing like a weird made-up version of a happy birthday song? Yeah, anytime that the song is sung in a public performance, um, you have to pay a licensing for it. So yeah, I believe restaurants didn't want to pay for a license, and so they had to make up their own songs. Uh, I don't think there's much that's more soul-crushing than the staff of a casual chain restaurant covered in their flair singing their copyright-free version of a happy birthday song while they carry you a mudslide-free ice cream sandwich or something. Probably not a highlight career. Um, so, so then you made this documentary about this, and uh, you actually managed to, uh, through the documentary and also through, I guess, being part of this case it would appear get this law changed, right? Like a judge has now found that the copyright is essentially invalid. Does that mean later tonight when everybody's singing happy birthday to their cat or whatever, it's free of charge? I don't know how you guys spend your evenings. (laughs) Maybe that's how you do it. Um, Yeah, that is, that is correct. The judge declared that the, um, the happy birthday song is not uh, copyrighted and Warner Chapel definitely doesn't own the copyright, so that's correct. I don't think they'll come after you if you sing it. <laughs> so is that, I mean, is that what you were going for? Like, do you feel a great sense of accomplishment and vindication as you walk by a child's birthday party and you hear them just singing to the heavens free of charge? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm extremely happy with the outcome and you know, the song now belongs to everybody where it should have been all along. And, you know, that feels that feels really great. But, um, you know, it's definitely been a long, long journey. And uh, I feel very happy about that. Are you going to take on, like, Ring Around the Rosie next or something? <laughs> well, believe it or not, there's, a, there's a, quite a few other songs that are... That are questionable. So, um, yeah, there might be another film there. <laughs> All right. Well, Jen Nelson, thanks for jumping on the show with us. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much. That's filmmaker Jen Nelson. She is uh, one of the folks responsible now for your guilt-free singing of the Happy Birthday song. Our theme this week is On the Record, which is why we have Victoria Guerrero here, Livewire's official stenographer. Um, how's it going so far? Great. Are you able to... Talk to me and type at the same time? I only type what I want. The record to reflect. So you don't put yourself on the record? When I don't. You're, is that a legal thing or just because you've heard the show before and don't want to be associated with it? I, I take the fifth. Oh, wow. All right. Hey, this week's show is brought to you in part by Whole Foods Market, committed to full GMO transparency in all stores by 2018 because everyone deserves to know what's in their food except for children, when you sneak vegetables into their food, like zucchini bread. Come on, that's for their own good. More information at wholefoodsmarket.com. Can you read that ad back, uh, Victoria Guerrero? (laughs) I cannot. Really? I got stuck on zucchini. Sorry. (laughs) That doesn't come up in a lot of court cases? No, it doesn't. (laughs) Dang it. I figured if you read it back, then Whole Foods would have to pay us twice for the ad. Sorry. Okay. Well, now we know what your problem words are, Victoria. (laughs) Zucchini is one of them. Our musical guest is a singer-songwriter who started her career at 15 in Spring Awakenings on Broadway. These days, her raw soul pop style has sparked comparisons to Adele, but we think she rocks a lot harder than that. For the record, her spirit animal 
is a Jack Russell Terrier, which by itself is a good enough reason to get her on our show. Please welcome Lolo to Livewire. Lolo, right here on Livewire Radio. She'll be back out. That was intense. Uh, Victoria Guerrero, official Livewire stenographer, do you type out the words of the song? It didn't. <laughs> How else will I find song lyrics? You were supposed to be the person keeping track of that. All right. Uh, we're talking about things that are on the record this hour. And, uh, you know, we all know that sometimes you say something or do something that you wish you could erase, you could take it off the record. Um, we asked our audience here at Revolution Hall in Portland, Oregon, 
for all the humiliating or maybe horrible or possibly felonious things that they've done or said that they would like stricken from the record. Um, and uh, we thought we'd do just like a communal purge here. So uh, we have a surprisingly large stack of these <laughs> over on the side of the stage. I have a couple of them in my hand. Um, uh, a listener, uh, Shelby, would like removed from the record that time I was really drunk at my friend's wedding and told her uh, the bride that I thought her husband was a total a-hole. You know, the man she just married. Um, and then uh, somebody who uh, would like to only be identified by the name uh, Midwife Crisis would like stricken from the record, uh, I told my wife she was a bad mother while she was delivering our baby. I meant bad mother bleeper. But she did not take it that way. <laughs> Victoria, could you strike those from the record, please? No problem. Okay. Hey, in the past three years, Cheryl Strayed's memoir, Wild, has sold over three million copies and been published in 40 countries. Her advice column, Dear Sugar, has been turned into a hit podcast. And now, because so many people were putting her quotes on shirts and coffee mugs and, yes, even their own bodies in the form of tattoos... She's releasing Brave Enough, a book of memorable quotes from her work. This is awesome, because if people don't like the book of quotes after a while, they can just throw it out, as opposed to getting it lasered off their body, like the people who went with the tattoo option. Please welcome Cheryl Strayed to Livewire. Hi, everyone. Hi, welcome to the show. It's great to be here. I want Victoria to move in with me. I have often thought this would be such a solution to all of my sort of marital quibbles and arguments. If somebody were there to record that, that I, whatever I claim to have said was correct. I, I think that I would like to have a stenographer in my life, but my suspicion is it would turn out that I have been wrong 98% of the time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. For a long time, you know, speaking of quotes, for many years there was a quote on our refrigerator, and it was my husband and I were arguing, Brian Lindstrom, and um, <laughs> we, uh, I said to him, I'm going to be mad at you for the rest of my life. And he said, oh, oh, hold on, hold on. And he wrote it down on a little scrap of paper, and he stuck it on the refrigerator. What effect did that have on you? Did it make you more likely to stay angry, or did you feel embarrassed? Well, that's it. At first, I was enraged, and then I looked at him, and we started laughing. So it was, you know, a way of making funny this ridiculous moment in our marriage. Um, you write in the introduction of this book that you're somebody who loves quotes. You collect them. You write them, I think you say, on the back of envelopes. Um, what was your thought when your publisher came to you and said, I assume it was their idea? Yeah, it was their idea. They, if it was your idea, you are really cocky. It's ridiculous. I know. I know. Well, that's, that's the thing about this book that's sort of interesting and kind of mortifying is they, my publisher, my UK and US publisher, both came to me and said, Google your name on Pinterest or any of these places where people make these things called, that the kids these days called memes. So much to my surprise, there were all of these people, of course, I was aware that when people would tweet me or something with a quote, or they would send me a photograph of 
a line that they'd had tattooed on their body from wild or tiny beautiful things. And so they said, let's just gather them together into a book. So I said, okay. Does that feel like a certain amount of pressure now to say, I mean, again, you really mentioned in the introduction that you're trying to live these quotes in your own life as much as anybody who's taken inspiration from them. Yes. But, I mean, do you feel a certain amount of pressure to live up to the the quotes and the wisdom in this new book, Brave Enough, of yours? I don't think so, because I don't really see them. They're, they're not necessarily wisdoms. I say in the book, they're kind of conversations I was having with myself when I wrote them. And I think, too, that what happens with quotes is that we take them into our lives, and then they have a personal meaning to us. For example, the last line of Wild is how wild it was to let it be. And for some reason, much to my surprise, this is a line that a lot of people are getting tattooed on them. And I really think that that line means something to me, and it means something very personal in particular to those people who have decided to have it tattooed onto their bodies. They have taken this quote into their hearts and lives. And that's the way that quotes have functioned in my own life. I really, um, one of the quotes, Winston Churchill said, never give up. And, you know, this was going through my mind when I was on my PCT hike. Of course, when he said those words, he wasn't thinking about some sort of slutty chick walking the trail. Right. <laughs> when, you're, when you're writing a line, you write voluminous amounts, I assume, of, of, of copy. Do you know when you're writing a line that is kind of special or that really might resonate with people. Like, I, I wanted to um, read a line, or I guess a quote here in the, a book, which I, I really, it really struck me. Um, actually, do you want to read it? I mean, it's okay. your words Let's probably see. makes more sense. It's, and we could have Victoria read it. It's the one you circled. And, you know, I don't, I don't have my reading glasses. How am I supposed to read this? That's on page 85. The quote is, always remember your reading glasses. That's right. <laughs> Can you, can yeah, you read this happily. for me? Yeah. Yes, I'm sorry, I didn't, yeah. I um, our most meaningful relationships are often those that continued beyond the juncture at which they came closest to ending. Mm. Wise. <laughs> um, why, does, why does that quote speak to you? Look. Well, I think, I mean, let's make this about me for a minute if we can. I mean, in my own life, I have oftentimes kind of hit the eject button on relationships because it's easier mm-hmm. than sticking around and dealing with usually my idiotic behavior. And the relationships that I have stuck it through with have been incredibly rewarding, mm-hmm. which I assume is what you were going for with that. Yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting to me is when, before you read that quote, you were asking me how, you know, when I write these lines, do I think, wow, that is so amazing and everyone's just going to love this? And the answer is no. And that's what was so interesting about putting this book together that I did feel to be honest, sort of reluctant and a little mortified, like, you know, how dare I gather these quotes? But what I really took comfort in is there's not one quote in this book that I chose because I liked it. It was always that that had to be backed up on, you know, my my internet searches. I went out looking for what are the quotes that have meaning to others? What have I heard from readers around the world when they say this, this line spoke to me, this 
changed my life or changed my way of thinking about something. And that's what allowed me to make these selections and put it in the book. It, It couldn't ultimately be about me. It had to be about how these quotes spoke to other people in their lives. I want to ask you about another quote. Speaking of if you're able to live up to this, um, I'll read this one also because... Because uh, I don't have my reading glasses. See, page 85. I'm so sorry. This is from Cheryl Strayed's uh, new book, Brave Enough, which I can't really recommend highly enough. I read it yesterday, and it really... I was circling things left and right. I was sending pictures of these things to my wife. Like, it really... I really think people should get a hold of this book because there's a lot of good stuff in here. Thank you so much. Stop worrying about whether you're fat. You're not fat. Or rather, you're sometimes a little bit fat, but who gives a shit? (laughs) Uh, There is nothing more boring and fruitless than a woman lamenting the fact that her stomach is round. Feed yourself literally. The sort of people worthy of your love will love you more for this. That's right. That's right. Is that the kind of thing that you are able to embrace in your day-to-day life, and is that something that you've come to, or did you always have that sense of being okay with, for instance, your physical body? No, no, I've never had that sense of being okay with my physical body. (laughs) Just like almost everyone in this room. And so this is what I mean when I say the the things I write, that quote is taken from a column that I was, it was like a letter to my younger self. And I was talking to that younger version of myself saying, you really need to stop worrying about this because this fruitless concern or anxiety will devour your life and it will keep you from doing the things that are really important and from having the sorts of relationships that are meaningful. And I think that that's exactly what I try to do in counseling others as Dear Sugar or in, the, in, in any of the writing I've done um, in this book, Brave Enough, or in my other books, is, uh, is to write that voice that I aspire to live. And I think, too, that ultimately there, there's... I, I hope to be funny in some ways, too. I love that people laughed. That, that, that when you laughed at that line, that it's like, well, maybe you are a little bit fat, but who gives a shit? That really acknowledges that what I hope that these quotes communicate. This is, that is, we are not here to be perfect, we are here to be human, and that means flawed. And we need to learn how to love and forgive ourselves in the course of that. And so these quotes, that's a theme that you're going to see over and over again. Uh, we're talking to Cheryl Strayed, author, of course, of Wild. Thank you. Her new book is uh, Brave Enough. Um, you also, as you mentioned, have been uh, the, the person behind Dear Sugar, which was a column, and now it's a, a podcast as well, you and Steve Allman. How do you feel we're doing as Americans, as people who are in relationships, as people who are trying to do their best? I mean, you've been observing people by way of the questions they ask you. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, I mean, with the Republican debates going on, you feel like, boy, we might be going to hell in a handbasket. Yeah. I don't even mean what they're saying. I mean the sense that the world is a worse place. How do you feel about the emotional health of the people who come through your awareness by way of Dear Sugar? Right. That's such an interesting question because I'm of two minds. I, I think that we are psychologically more evolved than previous generations. I think a lot of people are engaging with themselves and each other in really emotional ways 
we've become braver as a culture when it comes to talking about things like depression and mental illness and suicide and shame. And you really see people talking about these subjects that we used to think of as taboo. I think having said that, that there is this way that we in some ways haven't evolved at all. One of the things that's really fascinating to me is so many of the questions that people struggle with are the age-old questions we've struggled with forever. And uh, what's really kind of interesting with Dear Sugar Radio, this podcast that Steve Ullman and I do, is we're, we're really trying to help illuminate the problems that people have. We're not necessarily going to solve people's problems, but we love that conversation that people are willing to have when they write us letters and we sit around and talk about them. Um, are you still in regular contact with Oprah? <laughs> oh, last time we talked yeah. about the text. You know, I am. I, I went to the Gold, Golden Globes earlier this year, and I sat right next to Oprah. Did you I see I saw me? you on TV. Yeah. Did you have a red dress on? I had a red dress you on. You looked beautiful. Thank you. Didn't get my invite. That's cool. I mean, um, <laughs> felt like we were pretty well, close. Is there anything you'd like me to tell Oprah? Tell her to just get over her body image issue. She's doing fine. She's fierce. Has That's she right. read the book? Maybe she needs to read Brave Enough. I know. I, I need to send her Brave Enough. Is there a quote? Um, you mentioned uh, Churchill earlier. Is there a quote from somebody else that has been really, really important in your life? Something that you have have leaned on or used as inspiration kind oh. of putting you on the spot here. Well, so, I mean, so many, that's, that's one of the things is it's not so much hard for me to, to pick one as it is to think of dozens of them. And one of the things I opened this book with a quote that's carried me through since I was about eight. And it was a quote that my grandmother taught me. It's, it doesn't even get attributed to anyone. It's a, a American proverb. It's, like many love few and always paddle your own canoe. That's Is that something that as a, as a young girl, when she said that to you, you understood the meaning of that? Well, you know, yeah, because when I was a kid, keep in mind, I'm a writer. I was really tuned into what language could do. And, and I, I think what I saw that, I understood that as a metaphor, this idea of always paddling your own canoe. I didn't know that so much of my young adult Hood would be this experience I ended up having as essentially being an orphan in the world and having to figure out how to find my own way forward, that, that journey I really wrote about in Wild. And so it seems sort of funny and trite on one hand to think of that as a quote that had a lot of meaning for me, but it did in the end, that there was a sense that I recognized even at that young age that that was going to be something important in my life. Yeah. Cheryl Strayed, the new book is Brave Enough. It's really great. I highly recommend it. Thank you so much for coming on LiveWire. Oh, thank Wire. you. It's always a pleasure. Thanks, guys. All right, that was Cheryl Strayed. The uh, new book is Brave Enough. This here is LiveWire Radio this week. We're on the record. We actually have... A court reporter here, Victoria Guerrero, who is keeping track of everything that we're saying. Um, and speaking of records, you know, we've all heard at some point that vinyl records are better than digital music. But are they really? We thought we would go out and try to find somebody who would passionately defend vinyl records. Um, and so since we we're here in Portland, it was hard. We had to walk outside <laughs> and look in any direction. And we did that 
and we found a vinyl record enthusiast. Please welcome Yori Simon to Livewire. Yori, thanks for uh, coming on the show. Yeah, whatever. Um, so why is it that uh, some people prefer vinyl records? <sighs> Luke, they're better in every way. Okay, records aren't compressed as much. They sound warmer, and the whole experience is just, I don't know, richer, you know? Like, MP3s are like movie adaptation of books. If you prefer them, you're legally considered a bad person. Uh, okay, but you are giving up some convenience, right? Like, you got to flip a record every few minutes. All right, don't be hyperbolic. You can flip a record every 22 minutes. That is the ideal length for the human brain to listen to music before requiring a short break. Okay, that's physics. All right. I mean, they're also fragile, right, and kind of heavy to carry yeah, those around. Those are features, Luke. They're not bugs, okay? The, the inconvenience makes you appreciate it more. That's why Da Vinci painted on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel and not the wall where it would have been way easier to look at. I'm pretty sure that was Michelangelo. Agree to disagree. Besides, <laughs> the ceiling has a warmer feel, you know? I don't think just saying something is warmer actually makes your point there, Yori. Okay, disagree again. Look, of course stuff is going to be better if it's inconvenient, all right? That's why people love eating from food carts in Portland. Sure, you can eat at a table, okay? But food <laughs> tastes better if you eat it in a parking lot. <laughs> it's, it's like the Red Cross sent a humanitarian mission of Thai food. Is that really why it tastes better? Yes, and that's why commuting by bike is better. Oh, and, and letters, letters. Writing letters is way more personal than email because I know that your wrist hurt and you were miserable while writing it. You still send mail, Yori? No, no, not by the postal service at least. I prefer Pony Express. There, there's something about knowing that my words took a month to cross the country that really makes them feel special. They, they read... Warmer, you know? <laughs> okay. yeah. let's, have, let's go back to records for a minute. Um, they are kind of heavy, though, right? Yeah, that just builds core strength, okay? Uh, records don't have playlists. Well, I hired a mildly resentful temp. He sits next to my record player, and he quickly switches to the next song. I pay him in gold bullion because that's more inconvenient. <laughs> Look, I don't want to get graphic here, but records are kind of short on each side, and maybe when you're having some special intimate times, you don't want to have to get up and walk over and, like, turn the Al Green record over. <sighs> that makes you focus your intimacy. And, and, Luke, if you can't do it in 22 minutes, then it doesn't need to be done. It's actually a legitimate point for once, Yori. Yori Simon, everybody. All right, you're listening to Livewire. We consider ourselves the warmest radio show in public radio. If you like what you're hearing, but if you're terrible at remembering you listen to the radio at a specific time, check out our podcast. It's free and will be there 24 hours a day, seven days a week, whenever you are ready. Visit livewireradio.org for more information. We'll be right back. This podcast is brought to you by Ergo Depot, who offer up this tip on goal setting. Make them small realistic and achievable and you might actually reach them so don't say i want to be just like gandhi say i want to be less of a jerk to my cat or or don't say this year i'm running a marathon just say this year i'm gonna sit less doesn't that feel 
freaking doable? That's because it is. With Ergo Depot's sit-stand desks and active sitting solutions, you'll hit your goal in a single day. And then you'll be a better person, just like Gandhi. Visit ErgoDepot.com to start your transformation. Welcome back to LiveWire Radio from PRI, Public Radio International. My name is Luke Burbank. We're talking about things that are on the record this week on the show. Next up, we've got a two-time National Poetry Slam champion whose work has appeared on HBO and NPR. He's performed at venues around the world and for the United Nations, which is like performing around the world, but way more efficient. (laughs) Smart people got that joke. Please welcome Anis Mojgani to LiveWire. Sometimes I would lay in the garden and I pretended I was a carrot. Sometimes I would curl under the leaves and I became a head of lettuce. Sometimes I buried my soft paws in the softer earth, and I was a rabbit. Sometimes in the garden, I was a rock, wishing I were two rocks. Sometimes I was becoming three rocks, was warmed by the sun or held cool and smooth in a palm. But sometimes in the garden, when a rock, I waited hundreds of years, and it was only the wind That touched me. Sometimes I waited hundreds, thousands of years, and not even the wind could move me. Sometimes the moon was full, round and glowing like an orange-skinned woman in an orange dress, and the enormous night would use that moon to say to me, look how you are like how I am, and see how bright my body sometimes becomes. Sometimes I waited for spring. Always I waited for spring. And once my love appeared like it, out of the cold and with flowers on her fingertips. In my underwear, I write poetry (laughs) two headed poetry, three legged poetry. Poetry with tin spigots and no training wheels. There are flames airbrushed across my back, and I have bare feet. I have bare feet. (sighs) Feet. Speak up, I walk with sticks in my ears and I'm filling twigs with sentences, filing my nails down with memories. My love, it can shave diamonds. Scientists speculate over it. I come from the moon. Neil and Buzz and that third guy, they walked across my tummy and I giggled in a spoonful of cherub tasted like cherries and wallabies. I write two underwear poems. My poems take off both underwears and dance naked around the candelabra in the living room. I'm writing wrist and rubber bands on the back of the belly's bathtub. Pressing my lips to the shower curtain, I whisper, the goat man is in the woods dancing. 
dancing. The chupacabra, the bookman, the golden nugget. There is a cloud splintering like a kneecap inside of my leg. Buy me pants, mother. Buy me a hat. There are moths in my shoulders. I am shaking. I am full of love. I was full of love. I carved out pear-shaped slices of it and fed a million tired ankles. God sat on my shoulder like a cricket. I swatted a bee like a father's advice and asked for it again. Where can I go when every bridge has wheels running alongside its bottom? But I write poems with no training wheels. I write my skull like it was a color I was picking up and examining inside of my hands for the very first time. Standing at the corner of Central Park East and 63rd Street, I hold an imaginary football like a small child, send two inches in front of the wall's bricks, and scream directly into them, Go! As I fling the pigskin against the wall, I try to catch my childhood bouncing back at me. Go deep. I'm a three-headed galumph, a blue giraffe, a water fountain on the moon. Catch me, carbon. Catch me, galumph. Catch me, Lord. Hold me like a bowl, like how the clouds hold the moon, holding the rooftops of this city in my memories, in my veins. In my veins, there is a lonely mermaid murmuring all day long. She sings, he sings, sings such beautiful songs. Her throat is a girl I once knew. Her nose, it is made of silver. Her backbone is a plum. Her backbone is a plum. Thank you. Anis Mojgani, right here on Livewire Radio. Man. Okay, that was something that deserves to be on the record. Victoria Guerrero, court reporter for this show. Did you get that? Absolutely. <laughs> really? You were able to keep up with that? Yeah. Was that more interesting than a deposition about a property line dispute? Without a doubt. Can you go back and can you read a little bit of that poem? Can you go back to, I don't know, just maybe the last couple of uh, sentences? I'd rather start at the beginning. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes in the garden I was a rock, wishing I were two rocks. Sometimes I was becoming three rocks. Was warm by the sun or held cool and smooth in the palm. But sometimes in the garden when I, a rock, I waited a hundred of years and it was only the wind that touched me. Wow. That's like lasagna. It's like good the second time. All right. This week's show is brought to you in part by Alaska Airlines with 38 nonstops from Portland. And this winter, adding Austin, Texas, where Livewire happens to air on KUTFM. Hey, Austin, come see a live show here in Portland sometime. It could be the beginning of our country's first ironic mustache exchange program. Alaska Airlines, keeping you connected nonstop. More information at alaskaair.com. All right. Last up, few things that our audience here at Revolution Hall in Portland, Oregon, would like stricken from the record. A listener, a Chad, uh, would like stricken from the record that uh, when I was 15 and my mom told me to do the dishes, I threw them out instead of doing them, <laughs> then told her we'd been burglarized. <laughs> That's really bad, Chad. i got to be honest with you. Uh, Deborah would like 
to have this stricken from the record. Uh, while serving as the communications director of a statewide nonprofit association, I once issued an email to our 500 plus members with the subject line, pubic policy update. <laughs> Just go ahead and strike that one, Deb. Caesar Bernando or Bernardo's wife uh, would like uh, her husband's first marriage stricken from the record. <laughs> And uh, last but not least, a listener, um, I'm having a little trouble reading the uh, first name. This, you know, it might be better if I don't read this person's name. This person would like stricken from the record. They thought Alaska was an island because on maps, it's in a box next to Hawaii. (laughs) So those have all been officially stricken from the record here on this edition of Livewire. Victoria Guerrero, Livewire court reporter and stenographer, thank you so much. This was amazing. All right, please, one more time. The amazing Lolo. He looks better than me in skinny jeans, but I look better than he does naked. When they taste so sweet that you forget that you Say to myself that I'm 
That's Lolo. That's our show. Thank you so much. All right. Let's see if we can get a little bit of uh, quiet as they break everything down from the stage and people mill about in the afterglow of another edition of Livewire Radio. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. That was, that was quite a show, actually. And I want to make sure we thank all of the people who made it possible. First of all, our guest, the amazing Cheryl Strayed. Also, thanks to Jen Nelson. Really, thanks to Jen Nelson for liberating the happy birthday song for all of us, right? Um, and for uh, Anise Mogjani for being amazing and just sending a, you know, goosebumps through the entire uh, building here at Revolution Hall. And then our stenographer, Victoria Guerrero. Come on, you guys. That has got to be the first and maybe last <laughs> public radio show you've ever heard with a court reporter taking down each and every word that was said. That was really, really fun. Uh, this show was also made possible in part by our sponsors, New Belgium Brewing Company, Whole Foods Market, Ergo Depot, and Alaska Airlines. Hotel accommodations generously provided by Provenance Hotels. Robin Tenenbaum is the executive producer and co-creator of Livewire. Courtney Hameister is head writer and producer. Jim Brunberg is also our producer and our editor. Our house band is Dave Jorgensen, Jonathan Newsom, and Ned Failing. Jason Rouse is associate producer and part of our writing team, along with Alex Falcone and Sean McGrath. Molly Pettit is our technical director. House sound by D. Neil Blake. Lighting by Mr. Greg Cardi. Our photographer is Jenny Baker, thanks to our marketing director, Laura Haddon, our development director, Kim Bergstrom, and our operations manager, Lauren Masterson. Additional funding provided by the Regional Arts and Culture Council, the Meyer Memorial Trust, the Oregon Arts Commission, the James F. and Marion L. Miller Foundation, that's a mouthful, the Maybell Clark McDonald Fund, the Oregon Community Foundation, Work for Art, the Multnomah County Cultural Coalition, and listeners like you find people. For more information about the show or becoming a member of LiveWire, visit LiveWireRadio.org. You can download our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, and find us on Twitter and Facebook at LiveWire Radio. I'm Luke Burbank. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. PRI Public Radio International. Dear LiveWire, when we first met, I was really shy. I had no idea we'd spend so much time together or that you'd be one to fill my heart with, with joy and make me want to be a better person. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know you were here. I was busy reading a review from one of our many, many rapturously smitten listeners. Oh, wait, actually, no, sorry. This is from Elena. Anyway, the point is, uh, it would be really helpful if you wanted to leave us a review. Feel free to say really nice things about us, and uh, we'll even read them now and then on the show. So you might hear your review of Livewire read on the program itself. Uh, reviews help other people hear about the show, and then we can keep doing this for a long, long time because we love having this job. Uh, thank you so much if you've left a review, and if you're about to leave a review, you can go ahead and do it right where you get the podcast.